Well, welcome, friends, to Restoration Church Online. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're joining us for the first time, my name is Ron Johnson. Sure hope I get to meet you at some point in the future. Uh, before I get into the message this weekend, uh, I want to talk to you about what happened last weekend because God did some really amazing things. Um, first of all, 6,000 people joined us at Church Online and Facebook Live. To, to put that in perspective, in our building, which has about 200 seats, last year we had 1,400 people. So Restoration Family, I want to thank you so much for inviting your friends, for texting, making phone calls, for praying for people, for sharing online about our services. You're an amazing church. The more important number, though, is this, 47. 47 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ last week for the very first time. Can we put our hands together in our living rooms, our kitchens, and our bedrooms for those people? God did something so amazing last week, and we're so grateful that we get to be a part of it. Um, if you did receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior last week, man, we sure want to engage with you. I, I hope you'll get in the chat right now and get to know the pastors, and we'll tell you in a few minutes how you can engage, and we can come alongside you and help you take some, some next steps. Um, thank God Jesus did not shelter in place 2,000 years ago. The tomb is empty. He's still changing lives. He's still giving eternal life. Something else I want to celebrate with you as my church is your compassion and, and your generosity. In the last few weeks, you've given $20,000 away. Uh, you've been providing rent for a number of people. You've provided meals for over 100 people. Uh, you, you bought five motorcycles this last week for pastors in India so they can visit their people, the people in their churches during COVID-19. Uh, you guys have been so radically generous. You've been going on Colfax to help our, our church called Boulevard of Hope Church to make sure homeless people have the things they need to be warm and well-fed. You, you've been so generous restoration. I'm so, so proud of you. And I know the best is yet to come as we continue to navigate these very uncertain times together. Well, this weekend, I want to start a new series of messages with you. I mean, if you're new to Restoration, we, we typically preach in messages. Um, more recently, we've been reacting to what's happening in culture. But it's time for us to settle in and start a new series called Resilient. Now, the reason we're doing this series is in recent weeks, um, fear has been going up and to the right with the death rate. But, but it seems to me, as I talk to many of you, that things are beginning to level off as the death rates are beginning, beginning to level off. Uh, this has become our new normal. But I think we all sense that even though it's spring, we have a long winter ahead of us. A winter, unfortunately, without skiing. Uh, we don't know when we'll come out of sheltering in place, but we know we have some big challenges ahead of us with our, our companies, with schools, with, with the economy, with our, our jobs and careers. And so this is a season when we're going to need resilience. You know, to be resilient means that you can bounce back from a setback. It means that if you get punched in the face, you're going to get back up. Uh, resilience is key to growing a character. It's a key to growing spiritually. It's a key to flourishing as a human being. We're going to grow together over the next four weeks in resilience, spiritual, mental, emotional, and relational resilience. And today I'll be talking to you about spiritual resilience. I've got a couple of friends right now who are really feeling the effects of COVID-19. I've got one friend who just lost his job. I've got another friend who owns a business and he's lost 40% of his business. Both of them are handling this crisis in very different ways. My friend who lost his job, he's binging on alcohol and Netflix. I'm not judging him. I'm believing in him. I'm believing he's going to make a comeback. But right now he's getting spiritually rusty instead of spiritually resilient. 
My other friend who's lost 40% of his business, he's getting up every single morning two hours earlier than he typically does. He's reading his Bible. He's strengthening himself in the Lord. He's praying. He's journaling. He's doing spiritual reading. He's growing right now. He's becoming more spiritually resilient. He's getting stronger. He's going he's to prepare himself for future crises through this crisis. God's using him to pastor people and to bless people. Restoration. This season of spiritual resistance, we're all feeling these feelings inside of us, these temptations to, to take the easy road, to not do our work. This season of resistance could be one of our greatest opportunities ever to grow in spiritual resilience. Let's not waste this crisis. Let's grow together, beginning right now. Let's ask God to help us. Father, we, we thank you for the example of your son, Jesus Christ, who teaches us everything we need to know to, to grow in, in godliness, to grow spiritually, to become stronger, to become more capable of getting up when we've been knocked down. And so right now, as we get into, into your word and we learn from your son, Jesus Christ, we, we pray that you would open our eyes and you would speak a special message to every single one of us. This is our prayer in Jesus' name, amen, amen. I'm gonna read to you right now from Luke chapter four, verses one through 13. Um, The verses will be on the screen below me. If you have a phone, you can read the verses there. If you're old school like me with a paper Bible, you can also uh, read with me that way. It says in verse one, Luke chapter four, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. He said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil then led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift, up, they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, He left him until an opportune time. This is the word of God. All right, let let me walk you through this. Um, That was quite a bit of text. So Jesus is going into the wilderness. It's the beginning of his ministry. In in the scriptures, a wilderness is always a symbol or metaphor for a season of suffering or or spiritual testing. And so just as the Israelites, they they left slavery in Egypt to go into the promised land, they, they spent 40 years in the wilderness being tested so they could grow spiritually and be ready to go into the promised land. Well, Jesus did the same thing. For every one year they went into the wilderness, he went for one day, but his his experience there was excruciating. For 40 days he fasted, he prayed, and the devil tempted him in a number of ways. Why did he do this? He, He did this to bring us out of slavery to sin and into the kingdom of God, into an experience of the kingdom of God right now and a fuller experience in the future at Easter 2.0 when Jesus comes back and restores all things. What happened in that wilderness was he encountered spiritual resistance. Whenever you go through a season of suffering and testing, there's always spiritual resistance. 
So maybe you don't believe in the devil, and, and I get that. If, if you come from a scientific background or you're new to the scriptures, you're exploring faith, maybe that just doesn't register with you. Maybe you, you, you think the devil is, I don't know, some, some guy in a pair of red Lululemon tights, you know, with a pitchfork, and you think, ah, it's just like a legend or a metaphor. I, I just wanna share with you briefly, just like a little sidebar here for a second, why I believe in the devil, why I believe in spiritual evil. Um, the first reason is because Jesus did. It was Jesus' worldview that when we encounter suffering and trials and temptations, that there is a personal evil, a force in the universe that's coming against us. And the reason I believe is because Jesus believed. If a man can rise from the dead, as Jesus did, I'm willing to trust him. Uh, the other reason, though, is, is you think about history, all the evil things that human beings have done. I mean, I, I know we're capable of tremendous evil. I know I'm capable of tremendous evil, but not at the scale we've seen throughout history. Like millions of deaths, all these diseases, all these horrible things that have happened to human beings. I, I just gotta believe there's a force outside of us bigger than us that's behind all that. And so I believe in the devil. But even if you don't, please follow along with the story and let's try to learn what we can from it. So Jesus goes in the wilderness and the devil tempts him in three different ways. He tests him in three ways. First of all, he gives him a personal test. He says, if you are the son of God, he's addressing the very identity of Jesus. If you are the son of God, turn this stone into a loaf of bread. And then Jesus responds and he says, man shall not live by bread alone. What was the devil doing to Jesus? He was attacking his personhood. He was attacking his identity, his sense of self, if you are the son of God. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 says that Satan is the accuser of the brothers and sisters. He, he loves to accuse us. He loves to condemn us. He loves to beat down our self-worth, our self-esteem. And maybe he's doing that to you right now. Maybe he's saying things to you like, you're so weak, you're so pathetic, you've fallen back into an addiction again. You're, you're a terrible parent. You're, you're so impatient with your kids. If you weren't such a weak Christian, you wouldn't be so depressed. Maybe he's doing this to you right now. He's beating you down. He's attacking your sense of value. He's personally testing you right now. He's been doing it to me. He did it last week. Uh, when I finished my Easter message, I, I talked about taking communion. And, and I said, maybe you're with your dog right now. You can take communion with your dog. And, and I did that honestly because a lot of people in our church are single and maybe they were just with their dog and I was just trying to include everybody. And if you're from out of state or another part of the country, uh, maybe you don't realize in, in Denver, people are crazy about their dogs. But I learned that from our chat discussions, I offended a number of you, that, that you, you found my comment to be sacrilegious. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, they're right. I shouldn't have said that. For a few moments, I could feel the enemy attacking me and I was saying things to myself like, you are such a sacrilegious son of a Baptist. I can't believe you said that. You, you should, Johnson, you should be working in a meatpacking plant. Does the enemy ever do things like that to you? Well, man, he was attacking me. Now, I, I, um, I centered myself again. I regrounded myself by, first of all, telling myself, it could have been a lot worse. I mean, I could have said, you could take communion with your cat. Now, that would be profane, for sure. That would be sacrilegious, for sure. But then I just reminded myself, hey, I'm human, I make mistakes. But again, if I offended you, I'm really, really sorry. But the point being, Satan loves to attack us at a very personal level. He did this with Jesus, he does this with us. Um, the second test that Jesus endured was a power test. And so Satan took him 
to the top of a mountain. And, and it was like a Zoom conference call. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world all at once, it says, in an instant. And he said, they can all be yours if you will worship me. How Jesus responded once again with the word of God. And he said, we're to worship God and God alone. You see, Satan uses his power to tempt us to misuse our power just as he does. And maybe he's doing that with you. Uh, maybe you're, you're powering up at work. You're using your position to denigrate other people, to dishonor other employees. Uh, maybe you're using your, your power at home with your kids. You're yelling at your kids. You're, you're diminishing them. Uh, maybe you're a business person and you're just licking your chops. You're just like, oh, I can't wait. These businesses are gonna fail. I'm gonna swoop them up. M- maybe you're, you're using your power or more accurately, misusing your power and you're using your power against people. Uh, a third test that Jesus endured was the pride test. So Satan took him to the top of the temple. The temple of Herod was enormous. It was several hundred feet high. And, and they went to the top of the temple and they were next to each other. And Satan was like, hey, you know what? You could jump off the top of this temple right now. And it says in Psalm 91 that the angels will lift you up and your, your feet will not even strike a, a stone. You, you can be popular You can be known, you can be the Messiah without the mess of being the Messiah, without suffering, without Gethsemane, without betrayal, without humiliation, without the cross. So often, Satan tempts us with our pride. Maybe last week you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. And that decision was very, very important. But now it's time to become a disciple. And maybe he's tempting you at the level of your pride. Maybe he's saying things to you like, you know what, you can do this alone. You don't need other people. You can just stay in your living room. You don't have to get out of your living room and and get into a circle with other people through being in a group. You don't need to take next steps with others. You can do this by yourself. You know, we can't grow spiritually by ourselves. We we were made out of community. Father, Son, Holy Spirit for community. So please, don't let the enemy tempt you at the level of your pride, at the point of your pride. You, You cannot grow optimally by yourself. Please engage with us. Please connect with us. Allow us to come alongside you and help you grow. Uh, Maybe you've been giving some money, and again, thank you so much for being generous. But maybe the the enemy is saying to you, hey, that's enough. You're busy. You've got a wife. You've got kids. You've got a business. You've got a dog to walk. You you don't need to get involved personally. You you don't need to help people. You don't need to serve people and come come face to face before people who are hurting right now. Again, don't let the enemy tempt you with your pride. Maybe you think you're not worthy of serving other people or you don't know the Bible well enough. No, you can serve. You can get in community. You can get in small groups. You can, you can lead groups. You can serve the poor. You can come alongside of us and help us start new churches. We, we're trying to build two new launch teams with Brady Wright and, and, and with Rodney and Gina who are gonna both be launching churches in the next several months. You have what it takes to help them launch those churches. Please, don't let the enemy tempt you with your pride to not engage, to not serve, to not grow. So here's the big Here's the big point. Um, Jesus experienced in the wilderness tremendous amounts of spiritual resistance. But he saw his spiritual resistance as an opportunity to grow in spiritual resilience. And, And Jesus knew the test he was facing in the wilderness was preparing him for even greater tests in the future. It says in Luke chapter four, verse 13, the devil left him alone and stopped tempting him until an opportune time. When's the next time we see the devil? We see him in Gethsemane. We see him enter into Judas. He betrayed Jesus, and that unleashed hell on Jesus as he went to the cross. 
Whatever spiritual resistance we're going through it is a test preparing us for greater spiritual resistance in the future. These tests, these trials, these temptations are preparing us for even greater tests in the future. We need this test to strengthen us. Let's not waste this test. Let's not waste this crisis. So what do we do? We do what Jesus did. If we're to strengthen ourselves in the Lord the way Jesus did, we've got to internalize some verses. Did you notice what Jesus did every single time he was tempted? He fought back with the word of God. The Bible says the word of God is like a sword. It's how we fight back against the enemy. So Jesus quoted verses from Deuteronomy chapter six and Deuteronomy chapter eight. He fought back with the sword of the spirit, with the word of God, and we can too. And so friends, I wanna give you a verse that served me very well over the last three decades of growing in the ways of Jesus. It's been serving followers of Jesus for for over 2,000 years. It's a very, very powerful verse that I think all of us need to know, especially when we're going through seasons of significant trials and temptations and spiritual resistance. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, and it reads as follows. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you'll be able to endure it. Do you hear the promise in that passage? God's promising you three things. First of all, what you're going through, other people have experienced. All of our temptations, all of our trials, all of our tests, we have these in common with everyone. Other people have gone through financial setbacks. Other people have lost their jobs. Other people have had relational strains. Other people have experienced death and disease before us. They made it through those seasons of testing, and we can too. This passage also teaches us that God will not give us more than we can endure. Whatever test you're facing right now, God is going to help you. He's with you. He'll help you endure it. Mother Teresa once said about this passage when she was encountering all kinds of suffering and pushback in Calcutta as she was seeking to build her ministry. She said, I know God will not give me more than I can endure. I just wish he didn't think so highly of me. Have you ever thought that? That God thinks so highly of you that he's allowing you to be tested the way you are? He must see things in you that you don't see? Well, he does believe in you. And he believes in his spirit that's inside of you if you're a follower of Jesus. You know, the Navy SEALs, they have what they call the 40% rule. That when you're tempted to ring the bell, when you're tempted to give up on a mission, you have 40% more inside of you. 40% more physical, mental, emotional, spiritual resilience inside of you. You can do this. Well, it says in Luke chapter four, verse one, Jesus went into the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're walking in the power of the Spirit, you, you too are full of the Holy Spirit. So we have the 100% rule. Um, because of the Holy Spirit, when we're tempted to give up, when we're tempted to give in, we have 100% more inside of us because the Spirit of God, Jesus continued, is inside of us empowering us. Let's lean into the Spirit. We have what it takes. And then finally, this, this verse is saying that with God, there's always a way. There's always a way. There's always a way through our crisis. There's always a way through our suffering. He will always make a way. Whatever you're facing, maybe you've lost your job, maybe you can't pay your rent, maybe you're sick right now, maybe you've lost a loved one, there's always a way with God. There's always a way through whatever spiritual resistance you're facing right now. My friends, this is a season of spiritual resistance for every single one of us. But let's not waste this this workout we're going through. Let's let it grow us in spiritual resilience. 
So here's what I want to encourage you to do. Um, take this verse and, and write it down on a sticky note or a three by five card or make it your screensaver. But I want to encourage you every day this week, take a few moments, read it out loud, think about it, meditate on it. And chances are by the end of this week, you will have internalized it. We need these weapons inside of us. We need the word of God inside of us so that we're encountering spiritual resistance. We have weapons to fight back. We have the word of God to fight back with. So please take a few moments after this service, write it down, put it someplace where you'll read it every single day this week. As you read it and think about it, eventually you'll own it, you'll internalize it. You'll probably have it memorized. I wanna end with the story of Louis Zamperini. Uh, Maybe you've heard this story before. Maybe you saw the movie Unbroken phenomenal movie. I highly recommend it. I I promise you, if you go watch Unbroken sometime this week, you'll feel so much better than if you watch yet another episode of Ozark or Tiger King. Please watch this movie if you've not already seen it, or better yet, read the book. Uh, Louis Zamperini is this this paragon of resilience. Uh, He grew up an at-risk kid. His brother got him into track and field so that he would get out of trouble and he proved himself very, very strong physically. In fact, he went to the Olympic Games as a middle distance runner. Uh, He enlisted into the military during World War II. His B-24 was shot down. He spent 47 days at sea in a raft. Imagine the kind of test he experienced, uh, hunger and, and thirst, shark attacks, and the Japanese trying to shoot his boat. Well, eventually he was captured and he became a POW. And for years, he was tortured. He is a paragon of physical resilience, but also mental resilience. I mean, to be an Olympic athlete and to go through that kind of suffering that he went through as a soldier and as a POW, you have to have incredible, incredible mental resilience and strength and endurance. But what he discovered about himself when he returned home after World War II is that he lacked spiritual resilience. His life began to unravel at the seams. He became a shell of himself. Uh, he began to drink. He was full of PTSD, as you can only imagine. Lots of anger, lots of bitterness and unforgiveness in his heart. And he almost lost his marriage. His wife, in a last ditch effort to save their marriage, invited him to go with her to a Billy Graham crusade in 1954. And, and there at that crusade, for the very first time, he heard the good news of Jesus Christ in a way that made sense to him. He, he learned that he had a savior in Jesus, someone who went to the cross to forgive his sins. Billy Graham said, with God's forgiveness in your heart, you can forgive anybody. Well, that really resonated with, with Zamperini. And so he gave his life to Jesus Christ. He received the good news of Jesus Christ that he was forgiven for his sins and reconciled to God. And he realized that evening that on one side of the coin is salvation, on the other side is lordship. And so he received his salvation, but he also surrendered his life to Jesus Christ as his Lord, as his leader, as his life coach, if you will. And he began to follow Jesus. He kept his commitment to him. And he began to spread this message of love and grace and forgiveness. He forgave the people who hurt him. He even even forgave the, the man named Watanabe, who was his primary torturer when he was a POW. And he spread this message of forgiveness to thousands. He preached to thousands and he preached to individuals. Um, also, the Lord asked him to create a ministry to at-risk kids. And sp- so he spent the last several years of his life until his last dying breath at the age of 97 ministering to at-risk kids. He lived a beautiful, beautiful life. You see, Louis Zamperini 
was a man who became spiritually resilient, and we can too. Restoration, once again, I just want to say, let's not waste this crisis. Let's see the resistance and the tests and the trials that we're facing right now is our great opportunity to grow in spiritual resilience. Let's ask God right now to help us grow, shall we? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Heavenly Father, your, your word says to us that when we encounter trials, we're to receive them with joy. Uh, you're giving us a workout. You're giving us an opportunity to become stronger right now in every way. So we pray this week, as we focus on spiritual resilience, that you would help us grow, that, that we would learn to fight the way Jesus fought, that we would internalize the word of God. And as we do so, we could fight back in a way where we have victory after victory and we become stronger and stronger. Help us this very week to become more spiritually resilient. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name, please help us. Amen. Amen. Hey, before I close, I want to I speak to those of you who have yet to have your Louis Zamperini moment. Like maybe you've heard the gospel, the good news of Christ before, but you've never received it. And you've never given your life back to Jesus, given what he's done for you. And so right now, you want to do that. You want to receive him as your savior. You want to receive his forgiveness, his grace. You realize you can't earn it. You can't go to church enough. You can't be good enough. You can't give enough money away or do enough good deeds to earn a relationship with God. All you can do is receive it. And so right now, I want to invite you to receive this incredible gift, the, the greatest gift you will ever receive in your whole life. But realize when you do this, you're also surrendering your life to Jesus. You're making him the Lord of your life. If that's what you want, then right now I want to invite you to pray with me a very simple prayer. Just bow your heads, close your eyes. If this prayer expresses the truth of your heart, say amen in just a moment, which means yes. It means yes. Let's pray. Jesus, I recognize that I can't save myself. I, I humble myself before you and, and I, I want to say to you, I'm not spiritually that resilient. I need strength and I know it begins with a relationship with you and by receiving what you've done for me on the cross, and so right now, I receive your forgiveness. I receive it. I internalize it. Thank you. Thank you for forgiving me for my sin. And I receive the gift of a relationship, a personal relationship with God. I, I, I want to know, not just about God, I want to know God. So please, help me get to know you better. And you gave your life for me. I want to right now give my life to you. My life for yours. I'm surrendering to you. I recognize you as the Lord of my life. Please lead me. I want to be your disciple. Teach me your ways and help me live a beautiful, beautiful life to your glory. If this is your prayer right now, I want to encourage you to say amen. Say amen, which means yes, yes. If you just prayed that prayer, if you just said yes, a couple of things you can do to take a next step. We want to come alongside you. A couple of ways we can do that. Right now, uh, if you're on the chat with our services online, you can raise your hand. There's something about external gestures that strengthen internal realities. Just raise your hand right now and let the pastor online know that you just gave your life to Jesus Christ and they'll help you take some next steps. I mean, if you're not with us on church online, maybe you're watching Facebook Live or you're listening to a podcast as you're on your Peloton bike or whatever, I wanna encourage you to text me right now. Just go to your phone and text 97,000, just 97,000, and then put this word in the text thread, alongside. Not two words, but one word, alongside. I, I wanna come alongside you. I, I wanna give you some resources to help you grow. I wanna help you take some next steps. So please let me do that. I wanna come alongside you. T text to 97,000, the word alongside, will help you take some next steps this week. Well, you guys, thank you so much for joining us this weekend. Love you so much. Um, next week, we're gonna continue our series of messages 
resilient. We'll see you then. Take care. Have a great week.